Hello and welcome to the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room podcast. Join the Twinkle team as we talk about life as a preschool and nursery practitioner. We'll share our honest thoughts and experiences on a range of topics that affect early years practitioners every day in their settings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room. My name's Katie. My name's Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about whether or not food play should be banned in early year settings. So let's dive straight in. What do you guys think? Personally, no, but used consciously, if that makes sense. As in, like, reuse the stuff you can, i.e. like rice, pasta, that can be reused. Obviously, some stuff can't be, but just being a bit more aware. The only problem that I had with reusing things like rice is, don't you always used to get, like, bits of, like, dust and dirt stuck in it, and then after one or two plays, it just feel a bit gross to touch. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it in the play. That's just a personal thing that used to stress me out. Yeah, I mean, trying to put food in, like, the home corner and things like that. Mm. Great idea, but obviously the children just, it just goes everywhere. And like you said, it's wasted and it's just, like, rubbed on the walls and yeah. just everywhere. I understand the principle of that, yeah. but I've never used it in actual play. Like, we've never put yeah. real food in the home corner, so... It's nice for them to have, like, real-life things in the home corner that they would probably find at home, but it's just hard to keep it where it should be and, not and like, you know... And not digested, I imagine. (laughs) Children with allergies now, it's just really hard Mm -hmm. to make sure that children that are allergic to certain things don't come into contact with it. Yeah. We went through a phase where our area manager at the time was all for, like, food and play. Like, they came in and they were like, oh, have it in your home corner. So we had potatoes, carrots, everything in the home corner, and it gets eaten. So, like, you turn around and there's just nibble bits of carrots all over the floor. <laughs> or, like, a half-eaten carrot. It doesn't get used for what it's been put out for, but sure. it's food. Children see food mm-hmm. and want to eat it. And then, all of a sudden, they then changed their mind and was like, no, we're not using food in anything. Went at all? Eat. Yeah, went from the extreme of having it in role play setups so they're not even allowed to have it in sensory trays and stuff like that it just was the complete opposite so i don't know if it was when the cost of living started mm-hmm. to come in and stuff and being a bit more aware it was intriguing to see how we went from a setting being allowed to use it in every aspect yeah. and to not even all when you think about planning and the idea of completely removing an element of that so food play it feels like as a practitioner that feels so difficult because you're having to put so many ideas into practice within a week to remove food play it must be really tricky but th- there are so many alternatives but i know yeah. that in the moment of planning i think i would have really struggled with Same, that yeah see in preschool we used to do a lot of baking using food to like create their own snacks and yeah. bits for lunch so that was nice to do but in a way that's getting used and it's not a waste. Yeah, for sure. Where, you know, the money that we were spending on it, it was going towards the children's snacks. and. Well, building on what you said, Liz, about it being used in the home corner and them still eating it regardless, like, that's a confusing element for yeah. children. Yeah. Like, they've got to make that differentiation. When is food food yeah. and when is food for play? Yeah, I guess it comes into differences well between that was in toddlers, but then in babies, they are just naturally going to put it in the mouth. So you have to think about everything you're putting out being taste safe. Yeah, really and it's going to be food, isn't it? Like, you're going to often put out cereal to mimic mud and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I guess baby room probably would struggle a lot more because babies are so tactile and wanting to put everything in the mouth. There's a taste safe alternative to so many things now. Like, mm-hmm. you use chickpeas to make shaving foam and instead of using paint to make colours food dye jelly yeah edible edible paint with yogurt all of those they're really great but actually to remove those things takes it it's a lot trickier because with babies under one for example normal paint is going in with the Mm -hmm. hand and going straight into the mouth toxic (laughs) yeah I don't know what comes up if you just Google taste safe paint. I don't know if that exists. Yeah, maybe in some company, but 
probably really expensive yeah and like you said Charlotte as well like the cost of it needs to be thought about because especially now with the cost of living food is just getting more and more expensive and settings are already on such limited budget so imagine having to pay for multiple packets of jelly every week or like five six seven plus bags of pasta for all the different activities and cereal's not actually that cheap even when they get the own brand and stuff so the cost of that just goes up and up and up and food coloring is so expensive what we used to do for cereal is like you know what they had in the morning in like you know wheat bricks and often in the bottom of the packet you'd have all the like crumbs yeah we use that as our like food place that was kind of that's a good shout reduce reuse recycle <laughs> that's a good shout i think the other thing as well in some cultures it's actually quite disrespectful to play with food like it's very much against what they believe in so you have to be aware of that and on that same note there are some families that can't afford yeah. food so you i think at the moment as well with how people are struggling a lot of nurseries aren't using food we put the question out on social media and it's interesting to say that charlotte because someone said that um on the one hand it's an amazing resource it's taste safe and children can explore different textures but on the other hand with the cost of living crisis at the minute i feel like it's bad as especially as our setting have a food bank set up kind of like two extremes like Mm. the cost of living and then their setting it also has a food bank and then they're using food in the play like that's that's really better off going the food bank yeah that's really conflicting messages isn't it yeah, it comes keeps coming back to actually at the end of the day, food is a really valuable resource. Like not even in an earlier setting, just in life. It's a valuable resource. And actually should we just be wasting it for children to use that when there are other opportunities to provide sensory play? Yeah, and there are other options that you can use instead of that. Mud, that's just in the garden and easy to make. Water, ice. If you've got older children, you can look to use things like clay, because that can be used to take things home, paint, sticks. Shredded paper, although caveat, I used to hate using shredded paper because it's so messy. There'll just be little chips of paper absolutely everywhere. Corks, grass, beads, leaves, flowers, bubble wraps. There's so many different things that you can use to provide sensory experiences. It's just going to have to be in a different range. And you can still do things for babies. You could use like those textures that we've talked about wrapped around a sensory hoop. It doesn't all necessarily need to be in a tough tray to explore with their hands and feet. So for practitioner problems this week, we have uh, someone wanting some advice. So they said they are moving from a preschool to a baby room. They've always wanted to work there, but they have no experience. So any advice or tips would be really appreciated. It is, a, like we've said it so many times, preschool to babies all the other way around. It's a big jump. Mm-hmm. You've gone from two ends of the spectrum and they are developmentally hugely different. They're a lot less independent in a baby room. And I think one of the big shifts that you have to get used to as a practitioner is intimate care. Like all of a sudden, toileting and nappy changes and things like that is going to be a much bigger part of your day, like hugely bigger. All of a sudden, you're having to think about things like milk routines. Yeah. When was, I don't know, Charlotte, as a preschool practitioner, when was the last time you had to panic about how long the breast milk had been out on the side? <laughs> well, when I was on the early shift, I used to have to make bottles in the morning for the early baby. So I did used to do the bottles and a bit of sterilising and all that. But I just, I literally just followed a sheet. Yeah. So the girls in the baby room would like literally leave me a, a note because they knew I didn't work in the baby. So they'd be like, Charlotte, this is what you do step by step. And then you need to do this. So... 
I did used to panic a little bit. I'd be like, this is not... Yeah. I used to check all the time, like, is this right? Is this supposed to be, yeah. like, this much formula in, this much hot water and all this stuff? But, yeah, it's very different. During COVID, I had to go work in the, the baby room for a little bit. And I'd just be having a full-on conversation with, like, a five-month-old thinking it's four years old. It's going to chat back. Like, my mindset was, like, having a chat with these children and then I'm just chatting and the, the girls are like, Charlotte, I'm not honest here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to, <laughs> talking to a little baby now. I'm not talking to him. Um, and I got used to sitting on the floor a lot mm-hmm. yeah. rather than being stood up walking around all the time. I literally was constantly just sat down in different places and having like children on my knee and mm-hmm. just crawling around me. And Yeah, that's the other thing actually, isn't it? The furniture is, you yeah. think preschool's tiny, wait till you get to baby room, and like, like um, mid-calf if they're big. <laughs> meal times. Yeah. feeding them sat yeah. down with them whereas preschool they just obviously would sit with them to make sure they were all right but they fed themselves they were very independent and then i'd have to go and you know feed little babies and help them put bibs on them tidy them all up sleep and, times yeah, yeah put them to sleep but you'll find as well if you're moving into somewhere that's already got a baby room all of this stuff is going to be established you're yeah. just going to have to get used to it yeah it was just yeah. me working into that into that routine the main thing would just be getting used to the adjustment and all the different interactions that you're going to have. Like you say, you can't speak to a five-month-old the same as you speak to a preschool. Yeah. (laughs) I just feel like letting them do something. They'd be like, you do need to help them, you know. You have to think about the way you are a lot more and like how you can build on their play. Like it's very Mm -hmm. different in how you I learned a lot though. Like I came out with all this new like knowledge of like working with like younger children. I did really enjoy the change. But then again, it's like someone coming from babies up to, to preschool it's a lot of them will be like whoa this yeah. is a lot and like, all these children coming at me trying to tell me what they're doing in the day and like you ones. said this it's a very different style of learning yeah it's not like here's an activity sort of let like get stuck in yeah. it's very much the basics we get people ask us all the time on our different social media channels like what can we plan for this activity in baby room and it is harder yeah definitely. i remember writing a resource for the twinkle website to plan activities for children ages zero to two for jack of the beanstalk <laughs> and all about me and they yeah. need like so many ideas it's really difficult it is yeah. so difficult different ways of thinking and different approaches and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i think the more you'll get used to it it'll feel more natural yeah. and obviously you'll be in a room with practitioners that have already been in baby room for a probably well-established amount of time and just learn from them and pick up on the routines and the habits routine as well you'll have to get used to a whole new routine especially with babies as well if you're working towards younger babies that's three different routines that you kind of have to somehow Mm -hmm. fit establish and manage within your day so it could be that I used to really struggle having babies that were going to sleep at the same time someone needed milk because obviously one of them's crying one of them's trying to sleep you've only got two hands so that's tricky but again I feel like it's terrible advice from us, but it is just you figure it out as you, you do adapt. it. Adapt, like I adapted. I think if you like, like observe at first and just mm-hmm. see how it's running. Like you, you quickly pick up like how to yeah. be with that age group of children, and then it just comes natural to you. Then after you've been there for a bit. And like when you're in any room, yeah. and you don't have a clue what's going on, don't be afraid to just ask them, like, what are you doing next? Like, where do you want me? Like, yeah. what, what's, what's... I used to feel right bad because the babies didn't know me, so I'd walk in and they'd cry. <laughs> But who is this strange woman that's come to play with us today? But then they got used to me then. It is, they like you said, because it's such a different routine, just ask the questions so you aren't struggling because you are all of a sudden going to have to learn how to do, mm-hmm. or learn to do things or you might not have done things since you trained. So you are looking at things like you are going to have to know how to sterilise. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to need to understand how you tell whose bottle is whose, who's going to have to have sterilised water in a beaker, who can have it in a sippy cup, who's having tap water, who's toileting, who has pseudocrem. Yeah. Why is there nap time then? How long do they nap mm-hmm. for? And like, those are just the things off the top of your head. So like the actual intricacies of what you do, just keep asking questions because it will be there and established. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool chat room. You can find us on our multitude of social media channels, including Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Facebook groups, YouTube, and so on. But in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.